0: The reading today is from Luke 7, and it's Luke 7, verses 36 to 50. The story of Jesus and the anointed, being anointed by the sinful woman. So Luke 7, verse 36 to 50. When the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50 neither of them had the money to pay him back so he forgave the debts of both now which of them will love him more Simon replied I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven you have judged correctly Jesus said then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon do you see this woman I came into your house as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven, little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sons are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen.
1: Thank you, Elaine and Drew and Larry for leading us this morning. Uh, Our pastor, David, is on holiday just now for the next couple of weeks, and he's invited me to share God's Word today and again, uh, God willing, in two weeks uh, from now. I think next weekend, uh, Philip and Noble are going to be here and leading us uh, in our worship, so we look forward to that. Um, I'm a Narnia fan. I love the stories of Narnia, and uh, I love The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which begins with this sentence. There was a boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. (laughs) What a brilliant first sentence to a book, and it makes you want to read on in the book. If you know The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, you'll know that Eustace, who appears as this horrible little boy in the story... Uh, with two of his cousins, is looking at a picture of a ship, the Dawn Treader, in a stormy sea. And as they look at the picture of the ship, suddenly things begin moving in the picture. And as they're engrossed in this, suddenly they discover that they're actually caught up into the picture, and they end up in the sea and have to be hoisted onto the ship by the sailors And that's where the adventure begins. I commend the book to you to read and find out about what happens next. But I've often thought with the Bible, that's God's plan and desire for us when we read stories from the Bible. He doesn't want us to step back and stand aloof from it, uninvolved. But He wants to take us right into the story. He wants us to see it, as it were, from the inside. Eugene Peterson, whose books many of you may have read, or whose uh, version of the Bible, The Message, you may have a copy of, he once told a story about visiting a truck driver who had become a Christian. He'd been converted. And he lived with his wife in a big trailer, in a a trailer park uh, in the States. And he was quite a rough guy, but in the first month of his Christian experience, he read through the Bible twice, the whole Bible. And he was uh, Eugene Peterson went to visit this guy who was called Larry, I think, as well, and and his wife. And Eugene Peterson was trying to explain to the wife how to approach the Bible, and he was getting nowhere. And then Larry butted in, and in his trucker's language, he said, you've got to get to the inside and figure it out from there. That's how you do it. And that's how you read the Bible. You ask God to help you get to the inside. Get into the story, like Eustace and his cousins, like Larry in his conversion. Get into the story and then see it from the inside out. So today I want to invite you with me to explore uh, the story of this sinful woman who anoints the feet of Jesus. I've been reading through Luke's gospel recently. I I love Luke's gospel. One of the features of Luke's gospel is the number of stories about women. Luke has a very strong interest in the ministry of Jesus to women. And here's one of the stories that he tells Uh, that's a wonderful, touching story about Jesus and this sinful woman. And there are two or three questions that I want us to think about as we look at this story today. First question, what's your most embarrassing moment? Which one? We won't won't take the microphone round and uh, and ask, but uh, you've intrigued me now, Larry. We'll speak later. (laughs) What's your most embarrassing moment? The second question, what's the most dangerous thing that you could say, the most dangerous request that you could make? Hmm, That's not so straightforward. And the third question, what's the most wonderful thing that you could hear said? So three questions that uh, we're going to look at as we explore this story together. The first question about embarrassing moments. The second question, the most dangerous thing you could say. And the third question, the most wonderful thing that you could hear. Now, we're not going to look at them one after the other, but they'll be interwoven through the story. So let's dive into the story. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus To have dinner with him. Not all the Pharisees were antagonistic towards Jesus. Some of them were open to engage with him and to hear what Jesus had to say. And Jesus never, it seems, uh, turned down a dinner invitation, (laughs) he loved to be at meals. The number of times you read about him being at meals with people is incredible in the Gospels. He loved to be there. And on this occasion, the Pharisee's name was Simon. We find that out a little bit later in the story. And they go to Simon's house to recline at the table. Now, in those days, uh, if you were a family having a meal together, you would probably sit at a a larger table, a higher table. But if you went to someone's house for a meal, you would probably lie down on the floor with your feet pointing out the way. Um, We once had a meal like that in Central Asia in a, a drug rehabilitation center in a village called Serafimovka. Which means the village of the angels, which is a wonderful name for a drug rehab unit, a Christian like teen challenge place. And we had a meal with folks who were there on the program and people who were uh, helping those on the program. And we sat in a big square with our feet pointing out and not quite lying down on one elbow, but that's pretty much how it would be in Jesus' day—a low table folks lying down, quite often lying on your left elbow and using your right hand to reach in and eat the food from the table. And in those days, those kind of meals would be in houses where the doors would be left open. You know, sometimes you see TV programs uh, about uh, dinner parties. There was a a series at one time when Michael Portillo would invite people for dinner, and the cameras would film it, and you would listen in in the conversation. Well, think that kind of setup in the meal that Jesus goes to. The doors are open. Some interested people from the village might come and stand round the walls. They, they can't eat the feast, but they can listen to the conversation with the esteemed guests, with the rabbi who might be there. And listen for what will hopefully be useful words that they could say. So that's the context. That's the picture. Jesus reclining at the table. And into the room comes this woman. You know sometimes as someone walks into a room, depending on who they are or what the situation is, a silence descends. And you can sense that in the story. As this woman enters the room, a silence descends on the people who are there. Because everyone in that village knows this woman. They know that she is sinful. Now, we're not told by Luke what her particular sinfulness was. Traditionally, people have regarded her perhaps as a prostitute, but it doesn't actually say that in the Bible. We don't know for sure exactly what was going on in her life, but people knew that she was an unsavory character in that village for whatever reason, and that she should come into that room and disturb This nice dinner party that Simon had thrown for Jesus must have seemed to many of those who were there just very tasteless, very unthinking of her to come and to stand there. And to make it worse, Luke tells us, the woman who'd lived a sinful life, she came with a little jar, an alabaster jar, of perfume. Some versions say ointment, but it was more a perfume. The word that's used actually is for a very expensive perfume, myron. It was probably the most expensive perfume of its day. And she begins to kneel at the feet of Jesus and weep. And it's not just one or two tears. The word that Luke uses literally means it was raining tears. She was weeping profusely as she knelt at Jesus' feet, and the tears ran down onto his feet. And then she began to to wipe his feet with her hair. She didn't have a towel, so her hair is unbound, which was not the thing that women did in company in those days. And then she begins to kiss the feet of Jesus and take out this perfume and pour it over his feet. You know, out of curiosity, I asked folks I was meeting with the other day, ladies, um, what's the most expensive perfume you would buy? And uh, what's the most expensive perfume on the market? So I did some research into that. And, I mean, nowadays, if you spend 80, 90 pounds, even 100 pounds, um, you would get a bottle of perfume that is probably quite desirable. But you could go much higher than that. You could go to four or 600 pounds for some perfumes. And the most expensive of all that I found was a bottle that you can buy in Harrods for £21,500. But you get free delivery with the bottle. (laughs) (laughs) Two bottles, please, and free delivery. And the bottles are lined with gold, and the perfume is… I have no idea. I hope it smells nice. (laughs) Wouldn't it it be awful to buy it and then discover, that's horrible. (laughs) You see your inheritance disappearing. My wife's here, Martin, so he's asking if I bought one. Um, It's a surprise. (laughs) It would be a surprise to her if I had bought it, I can assure you. (laughs) This woman... In the story, she brought what at, the, at that time was the most expensive perfume and she blew it all, pouring it over the feet of Jesus. Why on earth would you do that? These questions go through my mind and, and in my heart as I read and explore this story. What's the most embarrassing moment you've had? Well, We won't go around with a microphone because that would be too embarrassing for others to hear about your embarrassment. But for Simon the Pharisee, this incident must have been the most embarrassing situation that he'd encountered. He invited Jesus for a meal. Jesus graciously accepted. Simon wanted to hear more about Jesus to meet him. Curiosity got the better of him. And so he invited him and Jesus comes And there it's it's a nice convivial atmosphere. All the guests are there around the table. The food's good. The wine is nice. And then this woman comes in and she spoils it all. And everybody knows her reputation. And for months afterwards, that incident will be the talk of the village. And it all happened in Simon's house. How embarrassing. And Jesus knows what's going on. He's sitting, saying nothing at this point. And Simon begins to think to himself, verse 39. When the Pharisee who'd invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a sinner, were a prophet rather, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Is Jesus a prophet? If he's a prophet, then he knows that this woman is sinful. And how dare he let this corrupt woman touch him in this way, this embarrassing way, if Jesus knew what was going on. Elaine read some words from Psalm 139 as we began our worship time this morning. And here's one of the things that she read. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Wow, isn't that a bit scary? God, you perceive my thoughts. I don't have to speak. You see what's going on in my thoughts, in my mind. And that's what happened to Simon. Simon is thinking to himself, These words, if he was a prophet, he'd know that this is a sinful woman and not allow her to touch him and so on. And then Jesus knows what he's thinking. And he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon says, tell me, teacher, or say it, teacher. What's the most dangerous thing that you could ever, the most dangerous request you could ever make. Perhaps we go back to Psalm 139 again, again verses that Elaine read. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. What a dangerous thing Simon said that day. Say it, Jesus. Tell me, teacher. Say what you need to say. That's the most dangerous thing that any of us could say to God. Lord, open my heart up. Open my mind up. Speak whatever you wish. I'm listening. I'm open, I'm ready for that cardiac surgery, that spiritual cardiac surgery, if that's required. I'm ready for you to scrutinize my thoughts. I'm ready for you to search the deepest recesses in my life, to see what's there, and to find anything that's offensive to you. But I want you to lead me in the way that's everlasting. Simon never made that request. He just said, say it, teacher. Tell it, teacher. So Jesus tells him a story. Two men owed money to a money lender. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. That's about 20 months wages as opposed to two months wages. So not far short of two years income to two months income. The money lender forgives them both. He cancels the debt. So Jesus says, which of them will love him more? It's not quite a mastermind question, is it? It's not a Brain of Britain teaser. The moneylender owes one man 500 denarii, the other 50. He says, the debts are cancelled. You don't owe me a single penny. Which of them will love him more? And Simon answers, I suppose, doesn't that catch something in his tone? I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled and almost immediately you sense he's beginning to see what Jesus has to say and then Jesus says to Simon you've judged correctly well done Simon top of the class 10 out of 10 and he turns and says do you see this woman what a silly question (laughs) the woman has spoiled this party She's become the center of attention. How can he avoid seeing this woman? But it's not a silly question. Simon only saw what was on the outside. He couldn't really see what was deep down in her heart. Jesus saw the woman. And he asked Simon, Do you see this woman? You know, sometimes when um, you meet people, you meet people who are in great need. And sometimes we judge people and we stigmatize them and we put them into compartments or we we separate them out. And one of the things that I think God wants us to, to ask Him if we're Christians is to say, Lord, give us your eyes to see people as you see them. Give us your heart. Um, on Friday, two days ago, Rosemary and I were, were at, at the wedding of one of our best friend's sons, and it was a wonderful occasion. We sat at a, a table in the hotel with uh, another four people, and one of them works with Teen Challenge, the, the Christian Drug Rehab Unit, and we heard stories of people who had been brought off drugs and even more wonderfully had come to know Jesus. And and one of them was a young woman uh, that Rosemary and I knew well when we were in Bridge of Dawn in Aberdeen. Uh, I went to a prayer breakfast with uh, Jim, who was one of our elders in the church in Bridge of Dawn. And at the prayer breakfast in the Aberdeen Beach Ballroom, uh, there was some literature on the table advertising Teen Challenge and their programs. And Jim's granddaughter, Amy, was at, on drugs at that point. She'd been on drugs for years. And the family had tried everything. And we picked up this literature, and Jim thought, maybe that's something that could be good for Amy. Well, a long story short, Amy got on the program She got converted, she got clear of drugs, and she's now working with Teen Challenge. Hallelujah! Isn't that wonderful? Now you see Amy today, if you'd seen her 10, 12 years ago, well it would be longer in fact, 15, 20 years ago, you might have said, there's no chance, there's no hope. Never write people off. See people. Learn to see them as Jesus sees them. And maybe you feel, you've been written off in the past, but Jesus sees something beautiful, something wonderful in you, something of hope. And he says to Simon, do you see this woman? And then he tells a story. And he says to Simon, "Um, I came into your house, you didn't give me a greeting you didn't wash my feet, which was the thing you would do or get your servants to wash your guests' feet. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting. This woman has kissed my feet. You didn't pour oil on my head. And you would often do that to, to make people feel rather fragrant as they come in, just touching it on the forehead. And so it was nice and refreshing. She has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Don't think as you read this story that it's her actions that persuaded Jesus to forgive her sins. I think it's rather the case, as Jesus says himself in the last verse, in verse 50, your faith has saved you. And it seems highly likely that there had been some prior contact between Jesus and this woman. And she knew that her sins were forgiven. And because of that, she comes, knowing that Jesus is in that house, she comes to say thank you. She comes to pour out her expensive perfume. Perhaps the most precious thing she's got, she's willing to blow it all on Jesus because she loves him so much. She's been forgiven so much. It's a bit like an illustration I read when I was preparing for this. If you see rain on the window, you don't say, the water on the window has caused the rain. You say, no, the rain has caused the water on the window. So this woman comes to Jesus, and it's not her love that causes her to be forgiven. It's her faith in Jesus that ignites the love in her heart for Jesus because he has forgiven her many sins. She can start all over again. She's made new in his eyes. And notice in the story, the moneylender was owed by two people. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Simon may not think he sinned nearly as much as this woman, but Simon needs the mercy and grace of God just as much as the woman. Even if the debt seems smaller, if it's sin you're talking about, sin is sin, and the wages of sin is death. And we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness. God's mercy. What's the most wonderful words you could ever hear? I think it would be hard to beat these words Jesus says to this woman. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow. What a wonderful blessing. She's got to live her life in that village. It's not going to be easy, but she can go and face whatever's ahead because she knows she's forgiven. She knows God's peace in her heart. She can live as someone whom Jesus has saved. So, my friends, my brothers and sisters, what about you and me? Which of these questions did you connect with most? Maybe it's Larry and uh, his embarrassment. Maybe it's something deep in your own heart that you want to bring to God. And one of the, the, the wonderful things that we sang right at the beginning was come as you are. Come as you are. Come to Jesus. Come as and acknowledge your sinfulness, come and ask for His mercy and grace. And whenever you do that, He will never, ever refuse, but will take you to Himself, bring His mercy and forgiveness, give you His peace and the assurance that you have been saved. One of my uh, great uh, singers is Don Francisco, someone I love to to listen to. And uh, Don Francisco, I think for me, is one of the singers who best gets into the Bible stories and helps you see things from the inside. And so I thought I'd like to end this sermon by playing one of his songs and uh, using some of the visuals that... uh, come with uh, the first ones that you've seen up there as we reflect on the story once more. So this is the song, Beautiful to Me. great song, isn't it? Let's pray together. Father God, how we thank you for Jesus who completely shows us what you are like. Thank you for your heart for sinful people. Thank you for your offer of forgiveness, of hope and new life. Thank you for this story And for this woman whose life was completely changed because she met with your son. May your Holy Spirit take your word, your living word, and apply it in our lives in whatever way is appropriate. Whether that's for us to come and seek your mercy and know your forgiveness and grace. Or whether that's for us to share that with others or whether you need to change our hearts because we are like the Pharisees, judging and stigmatizing others. Lord, you know us. You search our hearts. You know our thoughts. So, Lord, see if there's any offensive way in me, in us, and lead us in the way everlasting. How we praise you for the gospel for the wonderful news that this dear woman found to be true. How we praise you for Jesus, our Savior and Lord. We give you thanks in his wonderful name. Amen.